0: I believe in Christ, he is my King. With all my heart to him I'll sing. I'll raise my voice in praise and joy. In grand amens my tongue employ.
1: Scriptures reveal the divine desires of the Lord in our behalf. Each of us should have a burning
0: desire to search the scriptures diligently and daily to seek the will of the Lord in our life. Brothers and sisters, on very thin
1: pages, thick with meaning, are some almost hidden scriptures. Hence, we are urged to search, feast, and ponder.
0: If you are lonely, please know you can find comfort. If you are discouraged, please know you can find hope. If you are poor in spirit, please know you can be strengthened. If you feel you are broken, please know
1: you can be mended.
0: Welcome back to Go and Do. This week we have Alma chapters 36-38, where Alma speaks to his sons Helaman and Shiblon. Feli and I will discuss about how much of what he tells them is applicable to us today as well. We hope you enjoy it.
1: So these chapters were interesting. There's one, it wasn't very long, which was good. But at the end of chapter 35, verse 15 and 16, kind of give an intro to what's about to happen. Because Alma, you know, they they just got done teaching, uh, preaching unto the Soramites, and then Alma is sorrowful because of the wickedness. So in in Alma thirty five fifteen and sixteen says, "Now Alma, being grieved for the iniquity of his people, yea, for the wars and the bloodshed and the contentions which were among them, and having been to declare the word." Or sent to declare the word among all the people in every city, and seeing that their hearts that the hearts of the people began to wax hard, and they began to be offended because of the strictness of the word. His heart was exceedingly sorrowful. Therefore he caused that his sons should be gathered together, that he might give unto them every one in charge separately concerning the things pertaining unto righteousness. And we have an account of his commandments which he gave unto them according to his own record." It, it's funny because he's kind of, he's done everything he can as far as preaching and missionary and ministry. And now he sees that the people are so stiff-necked and so so full of uh, contentions one with another. That he just gathers his sons and then now he's going to give them specific advice. And he's kind of almost like passing the torch on to them, you know. Here here you guys go. Uh, in these chapters specifically, he's going to be talking to Helaman, which we know a lot about. In the next chapters, we'll hear a lot about him.
0: Yeah, I thought this was really interesting because it's kind of like what a lot of people are feeling right now of some of the contention that's in the world and some of the issues that are going on, and they're starting to feel a little bit overwhelmed by that. And I think Alma's reaction to it is perfect. You know, he goes out, does whatever he can to preach truth. And then when he starts to be a little bit overwhelmed by it and a little bit kind of weighed down by it, instead of lashing out at people, instead of trying to tell people, hey, wake up, wake up, because he's already done a lot of that he he, kind of turns inward towards his immediate family. And he's like, okay, guys, come in here. We're going to talk. I want you to know what it is that each, what advice I have for each one of you. And they, they're very different. Like Hewam and Shiblon and Corianton, we don't get to Corianton in this lesson, but they're very different. They They have different needs. They have different strengths and weaknesses. And I think that he's, not only passing the torch but he's also saying like here are the things that i've noticed that you need to pay attention to you know especially helaman because he knows that helaman is probably going to be his his successor right so he dedicates two whole chapters one where he describes in detail his own experience in conversion and then the next one where he kind of turns it more towards all right now here's how Here's what I think you should be focusing on. Here's what I think you should be, apl- how I think you should be applying this. It's really, really interesting because I think a lot of times we want to feel like we can go out and change the world. And in many ways we can. But at some point we kind of need to look at ourselves and say, am I am I teaching the people closest to me what they should know? Or am I just trying to reach out to change the world on, you know, everyone else? What am I doing to the people under my own roof, am I providing them with the guidance that they need? Am I am I giving them the influence they need? And I think that it really that's what it comes down to is start first with the people closest to you, and then you can start to move out from there.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting how. He talks to Helaman, and he shares very intimately kind of his conversion, you know, Alma's uh, conversion, how he was out. He re- recounts again his story of he was out with the sons of Messiah in in chapter 36, verse 6, seeking to destroy the church of God. But an angel came, and it, at 7, the voice was like thunder. And then he speaks... About in verse 12, but I was racked with eternal torment, for my soul was har- harrowed up by the greatest degree and racked with all my sins. And I did remember all my sins and iniquity, for which I was tormented with the pains of hell. Yea, I saw that I had rebelled against my God, and I had not kept his holy commandments. And I had murdered many of his children, or rather led them away into destruction you know and, and and then he continues to describe with words like inexpressive horror explicit yes. ext- uh, that i become extinct both body and soul to be judged of every deed that i was racked even with the pains of a damned soul again that is racked with torment harrowed out by the memory of my sins you know if you want to talk about a low moment where you feel like you don't wanna be alive anymore. You don't want to exist. This is an example of that. This is a person who is in a very horrible spot. But then he says, when my mind in verse 18, my mind caught hold upon this thought and I cried in my heart, Oh Jesus, the Son of God, have mercy on me, who I am in the gall of bitterness and circled out by eternal chains. And he says, "When I, when I thought this, I could remember my things no more." And then he talks about his joy, and so it's you see a great contrast between I felt damned, stuck, unable to change, so remorseful, just so much regret for the things he's done. To I felt joy, I felt hope, and um, I, I thought that was really interesting because. It's kind of what happens to all of us, you know, Alma had it in a very condensed version in a short period of time, but we all have to go through this and we will come to a recollection of all of our sins and guilts and we know that the gospel that Jesus Christ, he takes care of the ignorant things that are done, Uh, whether people sin in ignorance whether people don't know any better, you know, he kinda he's that's kind of it's not okay, but it's what what really is the problem is when we knowingly rebel, when we know better and don't choose not to. And I thought that was really interesting. Um you know and, and after all of this, I mean he's He's done quite a bit for these people. He's worked really hard for them. And in the beginning of the manual uh, of the lesson, it it talks about what did Alma do about what he saw and felt. He didn't simply become discouraged or cynical about the state of the world. Instead, he caused that his sons should be gathered together and taught them things pertaining to righteousness. So there are many instances where Alma could feel like a failure. Or feel like he didn't do enough. But in in chapter 36 verse 25. Well in 24. He kind of explains a little bit about that. He says. Yea and from time to time even until now. I have labored without ceasing. And I. That I might bring souls into repentance. That I might bring them to the taste. Of the exceedingly. Of, of the exceeding joy. Of which I did taste. And that they might. Also be born of God and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Yea, and now behold, my sons, the Lord doth give me exceedingly great joy in the fruit of my labors. I don't know. I, I just, I've really come to appreciate Alma more than ever before during this Come Follow Me study of these chapters. Because he went through a lot and he was very persistent and he really wanted to help people. And in some cases he was able to, and in some cases he wasn't. In some cases he suffered for it. He was put in jail. He was beat. He was spit upon. He went from having great position of power, being the chief judge, to having people mock him and say, you're not even the chief judge anymore. We don't care what you think. You know, you're know, you not in charge of us. You know." So he was a guy of great humility and he was no He didn't have a small reputation. It's very counter to the people in our day that are of power, that are in power, and that are trying to lead people in hell. You know, it's, it's a very different way the way Alma leads. I think he leads, he tries to lead like the savior. And that's a big contrast to the way our current society promotes leadership or leadership qualities, right?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because Elder Bednar there's a quote in the in the Sunday School manual that says for many of us conversion is an ongoing process and not a one-time event that results from a powerful or dramatic experience. Most of us aren't going to have a situation where we're basically trying to destroy the church and ruin everything and then suddenly you know, over a 3-day conversion process, right, become the exact opposite. But we all have, have to learn something from that conversion process. And I think what it is, is that for me, is that how, how Alma uses his feelings of remorse for good. Instead of using it to, because he, he goes through quite an ordeal. And really, if you tell someone, hey, this is what repentance is like, read these chapters. They're going to be like, I don't want to go through that. I want, the, I want the end result, but I don't want to go through all this racking and, you know, this horrible torment and all that. I don't want to be reminded of every bad thing I've ever done. But how does only use those feelings of remorse? He uses it in a positive way. He's able to kind of experience these, these horrible memories of the things that he's done. But instead of having it drag him down, which is what Satan would do, he turns to the Lord and says, you know, help me help me out of this. I see the mistakes I've done. I'm, he's humble. He's contrite. And he's going to the Lord saying, I'm, I'm ready to make change. Right. And only because of that does he receive a forgiveness of his sins. And he's able to see the and feel that exact opposite feeling of uh, forgiveness.
1: So you want to hear another weird thing that I thought of while reading this? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that to Helaman in uh, chapter 37, he he lets them know about the records. He gives them um, command commandment or uh, understanding that, you know, these plates of brass and how important they are. And then in verse... Uh, six it says, now ye may suppose that this is foolishness in me, but behold, I say unto you that by small and simple things are great things brought to pass, and small means in many instances doth confound the wise, and the Lord God doth work by means by means to bring about his great and eternal purposes, and by very small means the Lord doth confound the wise and bringeth about the salvation of many souls. So he's talking about the preservation of the plates, you know, and he's talking about uh, that they need to record their history and hand it down and how this is going to be one of the small things the Lord has asked of them to do that in the, probably in the last days is going to make a big impact, kind of like the Book of Mormon coming forth, right. how it's going to be so potent and powerful. And it's going to appear as a very simple thing, like a scripture, and read it. You know, it's not a very big book. It's not hard to read. It just takes a little effort. And then he goes, right after that, he goes and talks about these secret combinations and the works of darkness. You know, you get about that in about um, verse 22. For behold, the Lord saw that his people began to work in darkness work secret murderers and abominations. Therefore, the Lord said, if they did not repent, they should be destroyed. And then he goes to explain how he's going to call a servant and give him a stone so he can interpret these things and bring things to light. Meaning my opinion, the Book of Mormon and the Book of Mormon will give us the pattern of how to combat secret combinations in our day. And they had them in their day. And, he, and then in 27, it's it really interesting. He says, now, my son, I command you that you retain all their oaths and their covenants and agreements. But then in verse 29, he says, therefore, you shall keep the secret plans of their oaths and their covenants from this people. And only their wickedness and their murders and their abominations shall you make known unto them. And ye shall teach them to abhor such wickedness and abominations and murders. Yea, you ye shall also teach them that these, peop- that these people were destroyed on account of their wickedness and abominations and their murders. And then he continues to go on. And it's interesting because in one part he tells Helaman, you need to write down all their secret combinations, oaths, and, and things that they do. But on the other part is you only need to tell the people this much about it. They need to know that you- that's bad. They need to stay away from it, and then focus your energy in uh, thirty-two. And now, my son, remember the words which I have spoken. Trust not that those secret pla- trust not those secret plans unto this people, but teach them in everlasting hatred against sin and iniquity. Preach unto them repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach them to be humble, to humble themselves, to be meek and lowly in heart. Teach them to withstand every temptation of the devil with their faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach them to never be weary of good words, but to be meek and lowly in heart. For such shall find rest in their souls. And the point, I don't know, what was screaming to me about this is that's exactly what we're living right now. There are so many people attached to there's a secret purpose that the government is trying to do this or this or that. And and. In, in all governments, in all places, or, and, and not just government, but people and entities and corporations. And what the Book of Mormon says is those things are true. There are secret murderings, there are secret combinations, there are secret abominations. But the way you combat that is you learn to abhor sin. You teach them, he says, everlasting hatred in sin and iniquity, preach unto them repentance. And faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To be humble. To be meek. To withstand every temptation of the devil. To never be weary of good works. It doesn't say isolate. start be- Investigate your neighbor. Start becoming weary of everybody. It says live the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never be weary of good works. Be meek and lowly in heart. They had these issues. And they are writing this for us. And, and and he begins this whole thing by saying, by very simple things, great things will come about. And the greatest thing, the great thing I see here in this example is, by simple means, by pre- living the gospel, ministering to each other, learning to love each other, you will dismantle these secret works. They will be rooted out, right?
0: Yeah, he's not saying... Make sure everyone knows all the intricate details about the secret combinations so they can be aware of the tools and the methods that they use and the language that they use. It's like you want to you wanna combat gang violence. He's not saying don't, become, don't infiltrate the gang. Don't become a part of it so that you know everything about it in order to dismantle it from within that a lot of times the focus is, you know, like you were saying, corruption in government, corruption in in society, of this and that. The whole point is not to learn as much as you can about it in order to somehow become a secret agent from within. He's like, look, know that these things exist. Be aware of them. But in the end, what will save everyone is not Knowing all the intricate details. What's going to save everyone is just doing the right stuff. Doing the right things. Being righteous. Being humble. Being repentant. That kind of stuff well, is what's going to save society. Not just men Anton robbers.
1: Alma has personal experience of there is a group of people that are that are bloodthirsty, that want to hate us. That want to murder us and wipe us from the face of the earth. And he, he and the sons of Messiah went and did a marvelous thing through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Teaching the word and converting almost that entire nation. And they, they are still strong. And they at this point they had not fallen away because they were converted. It was the Nephites that started to become lackadaisical. And they started to, to, because of the prosperity, they started to stiffen their hearts or stiff their necks or harden their hearts, right? Alma has very much, he's very much aware of these secret combinations and all of these things. And that's why he's telling his son, he said, these things, the Lord, like he says in um, 25, I will bring forth out of darkness unto light all their secret works and their abominations meaning I, the Lord, 24. Right. It doesn't say, I will make you bring them to darkness, bring them to light, you know. He, yeah. except they repent, I will destroy them from off the face of the earth. Now, we'll see in the next chapters that that happens in various ways. But ultimately, the people must be righteous in order to overcome these uh, Gadian and robbers and these secret combinations. At uh, times, it is through force, And at times, the Lord will fight their battles for them. There were several instances where he does that. You know, the beasts of the field go out and just devour a bunch of of these uh, encamped Gadiantum robbers in the wilderness, right? Um, There's a lot of examples of that. And so he he writes all of this to us. And I really like verse 36 and 37 that he also tells Helaman. He says, uh, Cry unto the Lord for all thy support. Let all thy doings be unto the Lord. Whithersoever thou goes, let it be in the Lord. Let all thy thoughts be directed unto the Lord. Yea, let the affections of thy heart be placed on, upon the Lord forever. I mean, if, if this father is... Son, what can I give you? Like, so you can have... So you can prosper in the land. So you knowing full well there are hard times ahead. What can I give you? I can encourage you to go to the Lord. Uh, It it wasn't, let's practice our spear throwing and carry a spear with you everywhere you go. Maybe it's practical. Maybe it's useful. Learn how to farm. Learn how to this. But the most valuable thing Alma could give his son was, uh, let me share my testimony of how I, I became to know the Lord Is the Lord right, and let me share with you these terrible things and how people tend to act. And these secret combinations take hold of of the people, and bad things happen. But now, let me tell you how you combat that. Be righteous, be lowly in heart. Seek the Lord. And in thirty seven, I mean, this is scripture mastery. I'm pretty sure. Counsel with the Lord in all thy doings, and He will direct thee for good. Yea, when thou liest down. At night, lie down unto the Lord, that he may watch over you in your sleep. And when thou risest in the morning, let thy heart be full of things unto the Lord. And if ye do these things, ye shall be lifted up at the last day.
0: Talk about small and simple things. You know, it's not, here's the 42-step plan to salvation, and here's um, the secret combinations to combat the other secret combinations. No, it's like, look, all this stuff, crazy stuff, happens. What you need to do, as simple as it may sound, is teach people to follow the commandments, and you, in every moment you can, recognize the influence of the Lord. I think, kind of going back to when he passes on the scriptures, in verse 6, he kind of prefaces it by saying, now you may suppose that this is foolishness in me. And I think it's interesting because look back on when they went to the Zoramites, Helaman stayed behind uh, to kind of be with the people. And I think he probably already had leadership skills that Alma recognized and he probably saw he's going to be my successor, right? He's going to be the next prophet. But maybe he wasn't super bought into the idea of having to keep the records. And... Elma is kind of like, look, you might think that this is kind of silly that we have these things, or you might think that this is uh, maybe not that important when all these secret combinations are happening and when there's a lot of wickedness out there. But I'm going to now tell you why the scriptures are so important. And then the very next verse, right, is what we've been talking about. By very small means, the Lord doth confound the wise and bringeth about the salvation of many souls. Think about if he hadn't... We've talked about this before in previous uh, lessons, but if he had decided that, look, I'm going to be fighting wars and I've got all these secret combinations going on, I don't have time to write and keep track of these scriptures. I don't have time for this. i got to prioritize. I don't think anybody would blame him. I think most of us would be like, how many of us keep a perfect journal, right? (laughs) How many of us write every day what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and what we're experiencing? Very few. And so I don't think we would blame him if he kind of was like, "I don't have time for this. I got, I got so many other things going on." And how, how much would we have missed out on? And how much would we, would we even have it today? You know, well, how much would have would have come to us? So I think him kind of saying, "Look." This is, the scriptures are important. I need you to carry this on. And also, as things get crazy, remember what, what the priority is, is to teach people the right things and to follow the Lord. He's kind of setting him up to, to really truly understand that when things get more and more complicated, we need to simplify our lives. And we need to simplify, yeah. reduce and simplify, right, is the language that the, the brethren have used. Don't overcomplicate your life. Don't try and do more more than you can actually do. Start to focus on what really matters. The scriptures matter, the commandments matter, and giving thanks to the Lord for even waking up in the in in the morning and for the day that you had at night. So I, I really think this is interesting that you know, knowing what a little bit probably of what Helaman's gonna go through the next few chapters that his father would tell him, this is the advice you need. Um, it's pretty pretty telling, right?
1: Yeah. I like how he he uh, jumps to, in verse 38 and 39, he talks about the liahona. And he talks about it, in, and he puts it in a way so he can then teach his son a very, a very important principle. And this is kind of almost like, it seems like it's kind of like an heirloom from Lehi and Nephi's time, that's kind of passed down from the, the sort of Laban and the Lehona and the interpreters. Yep. And um and and so he, he talks about it. it was a curious worksmanship. Um, it guided our fathers through the wilderness in 39, and it did work according to the faith in verse 40, according to the faith in God. Therefore, if they had faith to To believe that God could cause that those spindles should point the way where they should go, behold, it was done. Therefore, they had this miracle and also many other miracles brought by the power of God. And then 41, nevertheless, because those miracles worked by small means, he did show unto them marvelous works. They were slothful and forgot to exercise their faith and diligence, and then those marvelous works ceased, and they did not progress in their journey. He began, you know, in verse uh, 6 to talk about a small and simple thing, and then he ties it to the Yohonah, how that such a small thing it was so important, but it worked so based, so precisely based on their faith and you could take it for granted and become slothful, and then those things would stop working. And then 43, he, he's such a good teacher. He's kind of just telling him, I would that ye should understand that these things are not without a shadow. For as our fathers were slothful to give heed to the compass, now these things were temporal. They did not prosper, even so it is with things that are spiritual. He's very much saying, this is some this is an example I'm giving you, my son, of a very temporal example of they needed to be guided through a wilderness. The Lord gave them this compass and it had little tiny spindles that would show them you need to go that way. But then you have to have faith to actually go that way and to pay attention to it and make sure, hey, are we still going in the right direction? And he's saying, just like that so is his counsel right now he's given to his son is is it seems very simple but it's very powerful
0: yeah it kind of makes me wonder when did the liahona stop working because he obviously has it but he's talking about it as if it doesn't work anymore and this is what it used to do and this is what purpose it served and when did they stop because you know nephi and and Lehi, they used it. Nephi probably used it even after they split from Laman and Lemuel.
1: But at what uh, point did it kind of... We know it stopped working once when they were on the boat and they had tied Nephi. And the storm came and then they they read the words that say as long as you keep the commandments, this will work. They thought it would work always. Like it was a magical ball that they could then be merry and do whatever. And as long as they possessed it, they would be okay. It's almost like sometimes the way we treat our membership in the kingdom, as long as we're members, we're, we're okay. (laughs) But it's not that it's, you have to pay heed. You have to become, you have to do.
0: Yeah. I just wonder like
1: at what point did they stop
0: using it on a daily basis? And at what point did the Lord say, this is no longer necessary. You have you have a prophet. You have that guidance. You don't need a Liahona anymore. Maybe Nephi has enough training now to be a prophet and to guide you in that way. You don't need this this tool to serve anymore.
1: I like how he says in verse forty five. And now I say, is there not a type in this thing? Isn't I, I think he, like he's what he's trying to say? Isn't this an example? For our day, isn't this uh, how a type and a shadow, like a fore forecast or or a pattern for us to follow? And he says, "For as surely as this director did bring our fathers by following this its course to a promised land, shall the words of Christ, if we follow their course, carry us beyond this veil of sorrow into a far better land of promise." o oh, my son, do not let us be slothful because of the easiness of the way; for so was it with our fathers, for so was it prepared for them that they did de- that if they would look, they might live, even so it is with us. The way is prepared, and if we would look, we may live forever. you know, and that ties perfectly to the next section in the manual where it says. By small and simple things are great things brought to pass. Sometimes we may feel like our problems are so big and complicated that the solutions must be big and complicated too. Yet time and time again, the Lord chooses to use small and simple things to accomplish His work and bless the lives of His children. Well, that's true.
0: There's a a quote from... Dallin Chokes in the Sunday School Manual, it says, I was reminded of the power of small and simple things over time by something I saw on a morning walk. The thick and strong concrete sidewalk was cracking. Is this the result of some large and powerful thrust? No, this cracking is caused by the slow, small growth of one of the roots reaching out from the adjoining tree. So is the powerful effect over time of the small and simple things we are taught in the scriptures and by living prophets. Consider the scripture study we've been taught to incorporate in our daily lives or consider the personal prayers and the kneeling family prayers that are regular practices for faithful Latter-day Saints. Though each of these practices may seem to be small and simple, over time they can result in spiritual uplifting growth. This occurs because each of these small and simple things invites the companionship of the Holy Ghost, the testifier who enlightens us and guides us into truth. It's like lifting weights. You don't you don't suddenly become uh, really strong and really in shape and all that just from lifting weights one day. It happens over time. It takes sometimes a long time, but just by doing your push-ups, just by eating well, uh, and in a physical sense, you can get stronger. And the same thing happens spiritually. It may seem simple to just to say prayers, just to read the scriptures but slowly but surely you become spiritually a lot stronger and i don't know i think that a lot of times we we want it to be more complicated than that because we want to be able to say how much how we've sacrificed so much you know to to gain this but really all the lord's asking is do these basic things you know yeah. do these basic well, things I-
1: I I think it's interesting that one of the things Alma calls for is to be meek and lowly in heart. And I was looking at meek, the word meek, in Matthew 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And then there was several other ones. Um... Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. In Corinthians it says, uh, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am based among you, but being absent, am bold towards you like it's used quite a bit but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance i think it the meekness refers to you are willing to not you're willing to trust the lord when he tells you to do something because you're meek so if, if there's a, imagine there's a big dam of water and you can see that it's about to break and the Lord says, Hey, go put some duct tape on it. You no, know? no, no, you don't understand. You don't understand what risk that is. You know, you, you don't understand all the forces, you know, you, you want to make it complicated. This is a serious problem. But what happens, I I think it's what we don't realize is when we do these things, when we pray, when we trust in the Lord, when we have faith, when we read our scriptures, when we continuously do good, I think he says, we put in our effort, which is quantifiable. You know, it feels like uh, this much, this much time, 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day and half an hour. It, it it costs us gas money to drive over there to help somebody. You know, it's all these quantities. But what we don't understand is when we do it in the in the name of the Lord, and when we do it with Him, He's matching us. But He matches us with infinite. He he in in and that allows us to grow and to and to be different. It's almost you know I think about like. Uh, Kind of like employee employer 401k matching contributions <laughs> you know you put in four percent before taxes your employer matches four percent whatever right mm-hmm. but but the lord matches his match is infinite it doesn't have an ending and the the little bit that is asked of us i think sometimes that's a small and simple part to the equation The outcome, the solution, will be miraculous. And it will overcome any complicated issue. But that comes from him. For us, it may be as simple as, you know what? Go on a walk. Go ponder about this. Pray about it. Simplify your life. Stop listening to that music. Start reading these books. Start doing these And and you could be like, why would I do that when I feel like I don't want to live right now, when I feel like my world's collapsing, when I feel like I just, uh, I can't do this job anymore? And I think those are examples when small and simple things and going to the Lord may not feel like that will directly become the solution, but it will, it may, it may, but it also... I think sometimes it's that leads you to another thing and another state of mind and another place. And before you know it, you can view the problem from a different perspective. And sometimes it's that perspective that allows you to say, "Huh, you know, maybe duct tape would work right here. You know, maybe this would work right here. We see it in children all the time. Their, Their little truck breaks and it is the end of the world. And they come to you with such sorrow and pain. And you're like, yeah, you're so cute. You know, hey, here, I can fix it. Or here, I have the ability to buy you a thousand of these trucks. Let's go get <laughs> another one. Yeah. But in that moment, that child is going through such sorrow. And it's very much like us. We can be, we can have a really hard day, week of work. We can think, oh, how could this ever, this provides for my family, you know. And then you're kneeling and praying to the being who created all of this in numberless worlds. And to him, it, he could just, did you think to pray?
0: It's interesting that when he... Includes all of this this advice to Helaman, and, and then to Shiblon, and then to Corianton, in, in that that was not omitted from the Book of Mormon. This is the personal advice from a father to his three sons. And I think it's because each one of us um, may be mo- more like one of those three, and that there's something to learn from all three of their different situations. When he moves on to Shiblon, he kind of starts out by saying, "You know, you, you're a good kid, son." You <laughs> know, uh, in verse two, I have, I trust that I shall have great joy in you because of your steadiness and your faithfulness unto God. For as you've commanded in your youth to look to the Lord your God, even so, even so, I hope that you will continue in keeping His commandments. For blessed is he that endureth to the end. And then, you know, this is one of the Sons that he took to the Zoramites and he's like You came and you did a great job I know that thou wast in bonds, yea And I know that thou wast stoned for the word's sake And thou didst bear all these things with patience Because the Lord was with thee And now thou knowest that the Lord did deliver thee So what's his advice? He's looking at his son Shiblon, and he's like You know, this is a good kid, he did a good job He had patience and long-suffering what am I? What's the advice? He kind of goes over again his conversion. And I think it's in uh, verse 10. And now, as ye have begun to teach the word, even so I would that ye should continue to teach, I would that ye would be diligent and temperate in all things. See that ye are not lifted up unto pride. Yea, see that ye do not boast in your own wisdom... Nor of your much strength. And in verse 12, use boldness but not overbearance. And also see that ye bridle all your passions that ye may be filled with love. See that ye refrain from idleness. I think he's trying to say, you know, you're a good kid, you're doing the right stuff, don't let it go to your head. Don't allow yourself to think that you're better than others. I really like that it says, you know, use boldness but not overbearance. I think a lot of times we equate boldness with just saying things regardless of how it might may come across or really even throwing things in people's faces, you know. And that's overbearance. That's when you've crossed the line into you're you're using your boldness to be to kind of rile up contention. And then in the in the manual it says something about talking to your family about what a bridal is, you know? Because it says, to bridle all your passions, he may be filled with love. And he's not telling him to not be passionate. He's not telling him, stifle yourself. What he's saying is, focus your passions, right? Direct them in, in meaningful ways. And I think a lot of times we use that in terms of, like, sexual passion. But I don't think it's only about that at all i think it's about you're really really motivated by certain things or you're really engaged in in politics or you're engaged in uh whatever it may be bridle that you know control it and direct it in a meaningful and purposeful way don't just let it run wild
1: it sounds to me like like be balanced like at the end of Verse 10, be diligent and temperate in all things. You know, have balance.
0: And he doesn't really tell him much more than that. I mean, this is a really short chapter, and I think it's because he sees that he's kind of on the right path. Maybe he doesn't need to, maybe he's already heard what he told the Helaman. I don't know if they're all there together, but Shiblon's not necessarily going to be the next prophet. So he doesn't need to get all of the advice and guidance that Helaman got. But he, he needs to tell him, you know what, keep up the good work, do what you're doing, but don't let your righteousness or, or your worthiness become a source of pride or boasting. You're going to do well, you're going to be successful in life. Don't let that overtake your humility. And then yeah, you're you're passionate about things, that's great. But make sure you're directing that in good ways and don't let it become a thing that carries you. You let it you should be the one that carries it, right?
1: Yeah, I like how in verse 13 and 14 of chapter 38, he very much just says, Do not be like the soramites. For ye have seen that they pray to be heard of men and to be praised for their wisdom. Imagine what kind of prayer that would be, or how you would have to pray like that. You'd have to. Mm, I'm going to be eloquent. I'm going to uh, orate out there in front of everybody. I'm going to show how much I know of the scriptures. I'm how much I know of this, and like it's a very aristocratic uh, show-off type of way of. approaching a prayer
0: it's a hundred percent self-centered why are you praying are you praying for the benefit of others are you praying to show gratitude to the lord prayer should be an outward thing that affects you inwardly and i think what they're doing is they're just focusing on themselves they're they're focusing so much on how am i coming across who's here to witness this and what are they going to think of me after yeah it's like that you're completely missing the whole purpose of prayer to begin with.
1: Yeah, and then he gives like an example. Do yeah. not say, oh God, I think thee that we are better than our brethren. But rather say, oh Lord, forgive my unworthiness and remember my brethren in mercy. Yea, acknowledge your unworthiness before God at all times. It's funny because that's a very different prayer. One to say... I'm so grateful that we're just, that we live here and not there or, or <laughs> you know, or we're better than those people. And, and, and in that same scenario, he says, but rather how you should feel is forgive me and my unworthiness and my brethren who bug the heck out of me, be merciful to them. Yeah, that's just so different. Like, because I I have a hard time praying for my enemies. I can, you know, I want to pray for my family. I want them to be safe. And then I almost make like a prayer bubble, uh, bless all these people I'm mentioning because they're <laughs> the ones I care about. And outside of that, I ne- I don't I you know I I tend not to mention those people. It's like. You're probably not praying for ill will against them, yeah. It's like beyond
0: that, I someone else can pray for them. <laughs> it's like these are the people just that Just the
1: way he says, Remember my brethren in mercy. And what he's talking about is the to them, to the Soramites and maybe the city next to them, to the Nephites, maybe the Lamanites. Funny how it, you know, that one part where it says 43 and 37, chapter 37. I would that you should understand that these things are not without a shadow. It's like he's speaking to us now, saying, Hey, you guys reading the Book of Mormon? <laughs> You know, you got to think about Mormon. He, he's selecting things. And, you know, we don't know how, how much. He could have given Coriantum a lot more advice. Hey, remember that plot of land over there? Remember, you know, divert the river. You, need, you know, they could have been other things, practical things. And go to this land. And to you need land and,
0: to your mother. I know that sometimes yeah. you don't want to hear what she has to say, but you need to listen <laughs> to your mother.
1: Yeah, but, but uh, you know, he selected these things. And and Moroni, writing these things down, he saw our day and selected, they are going to need this section. This is an important section. We need to include this. Okay, this is an important section. We need to include that as well. Because what are they going to deal with? They're going to deal with secret combinations, with people that prosper and then become prideful. You know, with, uh, you know, all of these things, you know, forgetting the Lord, uh, thinking that, not understanding that the Lord works by small and simple things. All of these things that, that he's trying to convey to us through these examples and testimonies of these prophets. There's a lot of, like, there's a lot of uncertainty right now floating around out there. In the news and in the social media, um, and people, even with good intention, seem to not know what should I do. Should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I do that, or should I do the other thing? What can we do? Well, this person tells me this. This person tells me that. You know, and it's a lot of noise and confusion. But we should remember that it's a still more small voice, and it's and and we do have a living prophet. And what he has counseled us to do appears simple and appears small. And a lot of people dismissing it. This, even counsel from area authorities, counsel from bishops, dismiss it. Because, oh, I'd rather listen to that voice over there because that one is complicated. That one has this. That one fits the way I like to think. I'm already heading in that direction.
0: Yeah, and also when you're thinking about those secret combinations that's the thing about the gospel is that there's not really anything in there that's secret there's not really anything in there that you that not everyone can know it's so basic so simple to follow the gospel if someone's coming to you and saying oh this is you got to you got to really dig deep to know this stuff and then you have to be in the right uh, in the right circles to to be in the know. It's like what is that? That's just a distraction, you know. That's something that's meant to distract well-meaning people from doing the right things and promising them some greater light and knowledge. That is just a farce, and it's a substitute for spending your time on worthwhile things to dedicate to something that is just just misleading misdirecting satan will never tell you hey wake up daniel go murder that he will never do that because uh, he knows i'm strong enough to be like i'm not going to murder people you know <laughs> but he can start out by just distracting misleading directing this to this way uh, causing anger causing frustration causing confusion and i think that a lot of times people are enticed by the idea that they're they they know something other people don't know or that they have information that other people don't have and they like to say oh well if you're one of us then you know and it's like yeah. come or, on
1: or Or they also do, if you're not with us, you're against us type of mentality. Right. You know?
0: Neither of which is right.
1: Part of our purpose here on Earth was to gain a physical body. And I think our physical body reminds us that our greatest influence is immediately around us. If we want to go influence something over there, you have to walk over there. And pick up that shovel and then you have to dig the hole and then carry that dirt all the way over here and, and I think there's some likeness to our agency and our influence our greatest influence is those that are immediately around us one of the temptations of being so easily connected through the technology is that you sacrifice your immediate influence for a perception of greater further influence and that's not to say that you can't have a positive voice and you can't help things but at no point should you be sacrificing the relationship with your friends with your family, with your immediate neighbors, for the expense of something far, far away. It's it's it reminds me so much of the, behold, the beam of your eye, and the moat in my neighbor's eye. You're reviewing your neighbor and what he does and his mistakes, and those you're so focused on those mistakes way over there, which are legitimate. He may have legitimately. a a mode in his eye that needs to be moved but your responsibility is the beam right in front of you and it's kind of like alma said i thank thee that we are better than our brethren rather say forgive my unworthiness and remember my brethren in mercy It, it doesn't say oh forgive my unworthiness and also, uh, help my brethren come to the knowledge that he's an idiot as well. <laughs> now, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's forgive me and my help me remove my being and be merciful to my neighbor. I don't know. It's just a different thing to think about. The Book of Mormon is truly the keystone of our religion and that a man and woman will get nearer to god by abiding by its precepts than by any other book and if you then go and do what he would have you do your power to trust him will grow and in time you will be overwhelmed with gratitude to find that he has come to trust you There is no end to the good we can do, to the influence we can have with others.
0: Let us not dwell on the critical or the negative. Let us pray for strength. Let us pray for capacity and desire to assist others. Let us radiate the light of the gospel at all times and in all places, that the spirit of the Redeemer may radiate from us. My
1: dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ invites us to take the covenant path back home to our heavenly parents and be with those we love. He invites us to come follow me.